1: My guests are professional in their field, so if you like, you can reach them directly from the information I provide on the show. And remember, the show is intended to be for information purpose and also thought-provoking. If you'd like to know more about me and how I can help you and be in service to you, please visit my website at www.coachingbyria.com. You can also send me a message here on the show, so make sure you follow the show. For up-to-date information, you can also email me at CoachRia, one word, at gmail.com. That's CoachRia at gmail.com. I'm also on Skype, so please reach out to me if I can help you in any way. Our guest today is Alden Taylor. Alden is an award-winning New York Times best-selling author of more than 300 books, audio, and video programs. He is the inventor of the patent inner talk technology and the founder and president of Progressive Awareness Research. Alden has been called a master of the mind. He has appeared as an expert witness on both hypnosis and subliminal communication. Alden was practicing criminalist conducting investigations and lie detection examination for many years. Alden is listed in more than a dozen Who's Who publications, including Who's Who of Intellectual and Who's Who in Science and Engineer. Alden is a fellow in the American Psychotherapy Association and an internationally sought-after speaker. Alden's books and audio-video materials have been translated into more than a dozen languages, and have sold millions worldwide. Alden is the host of the popular radio show Provocative Enlightenment on Hay House Radio. He has interviewed some of the most interesting people on the planet. His shows are thought provoking and always fresh in both their perspective and the exchange. Alden's new book I believe when what you believe matters explains in detail how our beliefs influence our lives in every aspect of it please help me welcome my guest Alden Taylor thank you again for being here um Dr Taylor i know you're so you know humble you always go by your first name you never say but i want to you know mention that you have a doctor um as well right so That's correct really okay.
0: you know Uh, The the one thing I am absolutely convinced of uh, is that when it's all through, all said and done, and I know you know this, you teach this from your heart all the time,
1: Mm. and and we
0: step over to the next dimension, float over, drift over, (laughs) however we get there, Uh, we're not going to take our swimming pools, our automobiles, our our favorite suit, we're certainly not taking our diplomas and our awards and all that kind of thing with us the only thing we're really going to take is our experiences mm-hmm. and those experiences are are the richest when they're involved with relationships so to me the three R's are not about reading writing and arithmetic they're really about reality is relative to relationships you know when we create titles when we do that kind of thing we tend to distance ourselves and, and so you know, I, I I don't do it, I guess, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm modest, I, I would rather just like to think that I'm ordinary, you know, we right. are just all the same.
1: But you are beyond being just an ordinary, you are actually an extraordinary person, and I've known you for many years, I've listened to your shows, and I've read your books and materials, that, you know, all the work that you do out there, so you're definitely not an ordinary person. And I guess, you know, I mean, we do live in a society, however, it's very superficial, and people are very concerned with titles and, you know, so on and so forth. You know, why would I listen to you and why would I, you know,
0: talk with you? So people
1: associate. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's something that's never going to go away anytime soon. But, you know, in our mind, I'm, I'm absolutely on the same page with you. Okay. And, um, you know, we but, but I have
0: to, stuff with us. I'm sorry. I have to add something, though, too, Please. to this, Hopperia. And that's, you know, I, I the Tao teaches that, uh, you know, we are trained to look at things like a, a, a pot, a vase, mm-hmm. a right. wheel. Uh, in fact, a great quote comes from there are 18 spokes in the wheel. But it is the emptiness of the wheel that makes the wheel work. Right. and And for many people that's what what is meant by that? well, you know if you look at the hub of the wheel, the only way you're going to be able to put the wheel onto anything and and make it carry a load is because it has holes right. in the wheel. Right. Well, when you look at a nice uh, pot, you know, and, and think of a clay pot that would be handmade. And, and think of how people would describe that pot. They would typically, you know, well, it's uh, it's cast of a certain plaster, it's a certain color, it's finished a certain way. You know, uh, what they're not going to describe is the space
1: mm-hmm. within the pot. in there, right? And,
0: and you see, it is the right. space or the emptiness sure. that sure. makes the pot usable. In a very real sense, you know, if we can just, if we can get ourselves in a frame of mind where we realize that in the order of the universe, we all are both material and non-material, and sometimes it's what we don't do. Sometimes it's, it's the space in us that gives rise to the Uh, our abilities to be as unique as we are.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that takes us into, um, you know, my thinking about what you were just saying. Also, it's our own perception of what we look at, right? What we create, of course, our reality and how we look at things and how we perceive life as, Whatever it is, you know, so when we look at a, like you said, you know, you look at a bowl, you're looking at the outside, it's made out of cast iron, it's made out of this, and you made out of that, but you really never really paid attention to the real thing, which is, you know, how much space is in there, What is hold? what can it hold, what, you know, the specification, you know, the processing, all that information to see the value of that, whatever it is that you perceive it is, right? That's
0: Um, right.
1: Or you, you know, in, in other words, you know, you you take it and say, you know what, well, I have no use for this. So let's move on to the next one because there is no use for me on that. And that takes me into your book, I believe. I mean, I, I really truly believe that your book invites people to a new state of awareness, you know. And I've been teaching this, you know, for, for quite a you know, few years now. And I truly believe I'm still questioning and I still learn and I'm still curious. I ask a lot of questions. (laughs) Actually, it's like even in my practice when I I teach, you know, it's all series of questions. And I notice, you know, you do the same thing. But why do you really believe? And and if you heard the beginning of the show, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different areas that affect our lives. And I, I, from my own perspective as a coach, you know, I, I look at things like, you know, what we think You know, obviously in our programs, our mental programs, our own beliefs that we had been inherited or had um, learned throughout our life, you know, affects how we live our life. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I'd like you to take us a little bit more in depth into this. Why do you really believe or why do you think, we don't want to keep repeating the word believe here because we want to talk about the actual, the belief system that we have. Why do you think affects our life in every aspect of it?
0: Well, you know, the answer to that is I believe it from a number of, of, of different domains. And, and, and actually, we have, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 questions in your last statement. So let me just kind of pick it up. And I know, right? This. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like it. I love it, Rhea. You know, <clears throat> uh, by way of a bit of a background, for years and years, because I've studied this almost all my life, for years and years I asked myself questions like, why do people do these things? I mean, this is just Mm -hmm. silly. This was a crazy thing for Mm -hmm. them to do. And often, you know, I was asking these questions back in the days that maybe, you know, I'd just taken a confession as a result of a lie detection examination, and somebody had told me, well, I stole this in order to fix up the room for for my new baby that was coming because doesn't my baby deserve a room? In other words, they were rationalizing away what they were doing based on a need somewhere. You know and and, as you know we we ran some studies at the prison system and and we discovered out there that that they displaced responsibility by and large for their activity uh by blaming it on society or blaming it on their parents. I mean, ah, but for the grace of God, there go you, kind of thing, so you know. <clears throat> what it all sorted down to from my life experience was these people have got a fundamental flaw in their belief system not their not their religious belief but their life beliefs right okay now from an academic standpoint you go into the literature you conduct studies you you know you look at the research that's been done and when you're all said and done from an academic perspective you also walk away and say it is life beliefs. Period. End of quotation. You know, mm-hmm. this morning I received an email from Edward Adelson. Uh, he's uh, of the Department of Brain and Cognitive Sciences, Computer Science, and Artificial Intelligence Lab at MIT. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, this was all about one of one of the illusions that he has that I that I just absolutely love because what it amounts to is here's a chessboard. And we are so conditioned, so perceptually predisposed to see what we expect to see, that that when we look at this chessboard, we know light, dark, light, dark, light, dark is the pattern of the chessboard. Mm -hmm. However, if you take two pieces that are the same shade of gray and place them in light, dark, areas. In other words, you place the two, one in the dark and one in the light, you will still see light dark even though they're the same shade. Interesting. It's an amazing experience. It is just based on our perceptual mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. see the world as we preconceive it. Now, right. that you know, that's a so then the third thing is what I think of as the so-called anomalous unexplained you know uh, William James said uh, an axiom is a law it always is true so if you say a all crows are black I only need to find one white crow to know the law is false well now look when I went to school college I was told, sometime in your 30s, brain cells begin to die. And the brain is one area where those cells do not replace. False. It's We know that's false. Okay, I was told IQ is fixed. False. Mm -hmm. IQ is not fixed. I was told uh, DNA is hardwired. False. Epigenetics shows us that your belief, what, what you think, the, the stuff in your mind influences your DNA. Well, these things begin to explain white crows. You know, We have multiple personality disordered patients in this world that in one personality, blood sugar is normal. Snap your fingers, they change personality. They're hypoglycemic. One uh, personality, they're impaired, seriously impaired vision. The next personality, they have perfect vision. Snap your fingers. It it goes on. One personality, there's a tumor, cancerous tumor. Snap your finger, that tumor on on, on the arm, the size of maybe a golf ball, disappears. One personality, eye color is blue. Snap your fingers, eye color is brown. Now, wait a minute. What's happening with these people? Well, listen, the personality change takes place, and I'm not Susan. She's a stick in the mud. I'm Susie. I have fun. I party. In other words, listen, I have changed my memory. I now have a different belief system about who I am. I, that belief system suddenly impacts my physiology. And almost, like I say, as fast as snapping your finger, the physiology changes. Well, you go, wow, wait a minute, how is that possible? Well, the fact is you may call it a white crow. We may think epigenetics underlies the the, the actual mechanic of it, but it takes place. And the only thing we do know is that what has happened is the mind, the belief, the memory has changed.
1: You know you know, you, know, Re- Elden, you said ahead, something Rhea. and I just I'm sorry, I just wanted to uh to to put this point out and you said it yourself, the no part. I think it's really limited by how much we know. You know, so obviously, you know, if they can't explain a certain thing or they say like, you know, the, the cells in the brain died after a certain age or and they cannot be replaced or whatever. Because at that time when that research was done that's what the information was they didn't they based it on what they had at that time as well
0: well and, and science is a moving target and we have to understand that so yeah I mean I assume you're referring to when I went to college and they gave us all this sick stuff and right. today we've learned that hey that's just not true and right. the interesting thing is we're learning even more I mean listen to this you will love this one I attended a CEU a couple of weeks ago right. and th- this was a, a neuropsychology um CEU and uh the facilitator was a neuroscientist. So the entire day was about hard research. This study showed that the you know fMRI showed this, this study showed that it was just data 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 data. Okay. When we get to the conclusion, the very end, there were two takeaway points that were made now, these are really important takeaway points. The first one was you absolutely can change not only can you change your i q change your personality, you know, but you can even change your the physical nature of your brain, you can add gray matter to your brain, okay maybe we'll discuss some shortcuts as to how you can do that before we 're off the show but the but change is absolutely possible. The mm-hmm. second takeaway, and this one. We'll floor you because this is neuroscience. Now I'm not talking about metaphysics and I'm not talking about, you know, something in the other. This was a this this was a continuing education course for behavioral scientists, um, you know, the, the healthcare providers, the, the so called experts, and this was a neuroscientist giving this and the bottom line, the second takeaway, you can only change. Mm-hmm. what you believe you can change.
1: Absolutely. I mean,
0: Absolutely. that's that's a big one. You can right. only change what you believe you can change. Absolutely. If you're fixed in your mindedness, you know, well, you're going to have these beliefs that will limit you. It's that simple. And, you know... Uh, the words of William James, and, and obviously I, I I think a lot of this man just <laughs> beg themselves to be pronounced right now. Because, you know, James said a great many people think they are thinking when they are merely rearranging their prejudices.
1: <laughs> true to that. True to that. Absolutely. Yes. That's so true. I mean, you know, obviously that's, that's all brought in into, you know, um, what we have. Accumulated over the years and beliefs about you know what life is and certain things and certain matters and certain relationships and everything all the areas that you know that affect our life. But but you know why why do you think it's so important for us to get clear of these of these certain beliefs that we have?
0: Well, you know they are self-imposed limitations. You know, and they're. Two books that I've read in my life, and they happen to be on my mind right now because my oldest son, uh, bless his heart, is at the uh, University of Washington in the Honors College there, and, you know, he asked, Dad, what are the most important books you've read in your lifetime? And, you know, one of them was Jonathan Livingston Siegel uh, by Richard Bach. And why was that? Well, because, you know, this 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 is a book that expresses Potential, potential mm-hmm. beyond the possibilities of all the other seagulls. I can relate to that. Potential beyond the possibility of what you've been raised to believe. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, and, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing my my father when I say this, but you know, he uh, he had a way of telling me I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't tough enough, I. Uh, you know, four eyes. I would never amount to anything. I, you know, I. It, it, and and I can tell you from my own personal life that that had a tremendous oh, influence oh, uh, on on breaking out of these self-imposed mm-hmm. limitations. Yeah, you know, here's a story that I, I I really like. Roger Bannister said to the world of science in 1954 don't tell me you can't run a mile in under four minutes because I know I can, and they say well that's physically impossible I'm sorry you, you you're mistaken the 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 scientists, the physicists, the medical doctors, the physiologists i mean they calculated stride length, et etc. Listen, some historians even attempted to discourage him by telling him about Greek runners who had the best runners who had been chased by wild animals, and they couldn't run the mile in under four minutes. All right, well, now listen. In 1954, Roger Bannister ran the mile in under four minutes, and that was amazing. He said, throw off all those imagined rules. I'll show you. <laughs> but here's the real important thing out of that message. To me, not only was he a Jonathan Livingston Siegel, but he performed it in front of everybody. And within a month, his record was beaten. Now, remember, it had never been done. So within a month now, his record is beaten, and 24 more runners within a year ran that mile in less than four minutes. There was an imposed boundary on everyone. It was like a collective belief. The second book hmm. that has had that import on me is the book called The Politics of Experience by Robert Lane, And the reason is it's a contrast to Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Lang says in his book, the condition of alienation, of being asleep, of being unconscious, of being out of one's mind, is the condition of the normal man. He says society values its normal man. It educates children to lose themselves and to become absurd, and thus to become normal. He goes on, normal men have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellow men in the last 50 years. We are not able even to think adequately about the behavior that is at the annihilating edge, but what we think is less than what we know. What we know is less than what we love. What we love is so much less than what there is, and to that precise extent, we are so much less. Than what we are. Wow. Juxtapose those. Here's the bookends. On one hand, the total potential. On the other hand, the denial of who we really are. Mm. That belief system Mm. that to me is like a web, it is a giant web. That's right. There's no such thing as an inconsequential belief that we hold. Mm. That belief system is what nails us in place in our life so as far as i'm concerned look if you're unhappy about something it's a belief problem Mm -hmm. if you fail to succeed somewhere it's a belief problem if if you feel unattractive and unworthy it's a belief problem these beliefs many of them just acquired through our enculturation that whole no don't you know you're stupid not smart enough you're ugly you're fat you're skinny all the stuff that we hear from peers as we grow up but as importantly the so-called shadow that we try and hide that part of us you know that it's been told the first uh, right. time we manifested anger. Right. Hey, mm-hmm. anger is bad. You shouldn't show mm-hmm. any anger, Johnny. You right. know, hide mm-hmm. your anger. You
1: it, right.
0: Yeah, and, and we, we take all these emotions, we take all these feelings, and we begin mm-hmm. to hide them. Uh, Robert Bly says we stick them in a long bag, and then we just kind of drag that long bag along with us. So every time we have a, a feeling, an experience, an emotion they come that we off. shouldn't express, mm-hmm. We 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 feel that we have to hide them, and 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 the bottom line is, as we're doing that, what are we doing? We hiding from ourselves. We're alienating. I mean, we we are becoming self alienated. And does it surprise you then that, like a chameleon, if we change our clothes, we behave differently? Well, of course we do, because we right. see images in TV, and if you have tennis shoes and Levi's on, well, you walk differently than if you have wingtips and a three-piece suit, don't you?
1: You know, there's there, there so much into this, and I, I have a lot of questions for you, so I, I,
0: it's fascinating. We should have
1: this show for two hours, actually, because I would like to, you know... Keep talking about this stuff because I think it's it's, it's uh it's truly is true I mean you know we we hide behind our feeling and because we are ashamed you know, and that all is brought up by what we were told about you know how we 're supposed to behave how we 're supposed to feel how we 're supposed to do things and and of course, you know adding the media adding everything else it's it's uh brainwashing you know of course us to think in a certain way as well and to reinforce certain beliefs. So, knowing all this, and, and there's no doubt about it, and I talk about this on the show all the time about, you know, trying to really get rid of some of these limited beliefs and, and these obstacles, I call them, because literally that's what they are, They, they like are. you said, you know. And But is it really easy? And, well, and I, I mean, can... you know, taking somebody who's, you know, I mean, whatever, how old they are, and they've been living in a certain way for so many
0: years. Okay, well, I'm going to give you the good news and the bad news. Okay? <laughs> the good news is it's possible. It's never sure. too late. Right. The bad news is, in one word, no. It is not easy. I- anyone that tells you that it's easy is really, mm-hmm. yeah. they're only looking at a, surf- a superficial level. We can change, and we can begin changing immediately. You, we can think of it ourselves in a sense as like a, a, a large body of clay, you know, and I want to turn this clay into something really outstanding, a Michelangelo-type sculptor. Well, uh, I, I, I'm not going to do that overnight. I'm, I'm going to begin to change it immediately, and I'm going to be able to see that change immediately. But I'm not going to complete the process. Indeed, I'm probably not. uh, I believe life is that process of living into ourselves and becoming all that we are potentially capable of being, including and especially appreciating our unique nature and its overall contribution to the whole. One of the reasons that I wrote the book, I believe, was to map out how we get trapped in, mm-hmm. in the kinds of thoughts that we've been discussing, but but then to show clearly how you can step out of them. We take little things, you know. I, I like stories, and I think stories are very teaching in their nature. But many people aren't aware, and you remember a story for a long time after you remember just, you know, some lecture. Right. Uh, Many people aren't aware, for example, that little things, you should just, just be, you know, begin with yourself. And you say, you know, I, w- I want to be a better human being. Where can I begin? Let's just assume that today you said, well, I'm going to begin from a point of integrity. Well, what is integrity? Well, you know, uh, the average person we understand lies three times an hour. That's quite a few lies in a day. Now most of them are innocuous, you know. They're just little light extensions light. of this or that, but right. you know. Right. Uh, it's still, nevertheless, that's that's quite a few oh, right. in a day, right? right? So maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to change by, I'm not going to tell any more lies unless it's a beneficial lie. And and that can happen. I mean, listen, your mother and father in an automobile accident will be that, but in this hypothetical, one dies, the other's in the hospital, the doctor says, whatever you do, don't tell them that, you know, your father died. and. and so, you you know, you're not going to walk in there and when mom says, how's your dad? Oh, he's dead. So there are, <laughs> right. there are times right. that I we're understand. talking about. Okay, right. Now, listen, okay. why would I want to do that? Well, for two reasons. The first one is you may not know this, but the hard research shows that every time you tell a lie, you actually weaken your immune system. Mm -hmm. That seems uh, kind of incredible, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to tell you something else. Every time you fake a smile, the brain doesn't know you're faking it. It pours positive neurochemicals on the system and you feel better. Mm -hmm. You're just hardwired in certain ways, you know. Uh, one of the things that I like to show audiences, live audiences, and if you'll bear with me, Ria, I think we can do on the telephone.
1: Please uh, do. To yeah. the entire
0: mm-hmm. audience out there and to you, whether you're sitting or standing, you stop for a minute, you pick up your right foot, and I want you to just move it in a clockwise circle. Are you doing that, Ria? I Are
1: am. Are you moving?
0: Okay. Now I want you to draw a six in the air. Draw a six, six in, in the air. air. Okay. Okay. Did you draw the six?
1: Okay. Uh, yes. Did
0: you notice that your foot didn't continue to go in a clockwise circle?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, why is that? Why is that?
1: You know, Okay.
0: You see, you are hardwired to perform in a certain way because there are mechanics involved in 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 your mind body that you, you that we just think of as our vehicle that we drive around on here on the earth. Okay. So understanding that you're hardwired, there are things like faking the smile or telling a lie that impact your physiology. They're not separate. They're not distinct. And the research shows us that. Okay, now, so let's say that we decided, honesty, I am going to practice honesty. The second reason you would do this is because what you're saying to yourself is, I'm an honest person. I'm a worthy person. Um, You can trust me. I'm the kind of person I would like to meet. I'm the kind of person I would like to do business. You have increased your value immensely. You know, John Huntsman tells a story that I just I find incredible. He um, he sold one of his businesses uh, on a handshake, and by the time the attorneys got every all the paperwork put together, several months had gone down the road, and the business was worth double what he'd agreed to sell it for. $57 million more million than what he'd agreed to sell it for. So when they got time to go to the closing table, everyone met their attorneys, et cetera, there. Uh, the buyer said, you know, John, I, I know that uh, this deal is kind of, you know, it, your business is worth a lot more now, and, and we're really banking on getting it, so can we... Uh, can we make a deal somewhere in the middle? Can we come up with something, you know, that that, that works? Because he totally anticipated that Huntsman was going to walk away from his handshake. Hmm. And Huntsman said, no, I made a deal with you. I sold the business, and, and we agreed on a price, and I gave you my handshake. And my handshake is my word. And if I don't have integrity, I have nothing. Well, you yeah. think about that for a minute. Isn't that the quality that we admire? I mean, yeah. that's some,
1: um, you We know. do. But, you know, Dr. Taylor, um, Alden, I would like to, to add to this something, um, to the fact that the majority of people, actually, I'm not giving excuse for anybody by all means, but I think the majority of people do find it easier to lie because of the fear of rejection, okay? If they tell the truth, sure. people, most people cannot. Let's face it. Most sure. people cannot handle the truth. Okay, who said sure. Jack Nichols? You I, can't I handle the truth, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's really true because I think you know you, you know when you when you try to be honest with people and you try to be I'm I'm one of those people constantly direct. I don't I, you know I am who I am. I always say you know I I cannot pretend to be someone who I am not. It's not easy for me. It's not natural for me to do that. But I, I can tell you, I experience sometimes, you know, some kind of rejection. You know, people do not really take it that easy. You know, to okay. say it's like, "Oh my God, but I can't But you know, now be-
0: Ria, you're experiencing the rejection. But what's being rejected? I mean, where's the error? Is the error in you, or is the error in the no, person? No, I think the other person a re- has nothing to do sure. with me. Not sure, sure. And and people do have that problem. Now you know I'm going to equivocate again because in a counseling situation, you sometimes just kind of you know color the universe and go slow and easy all right I, 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 and but your your intention there is the best interest of the client. Now, if your intention is always the best interest, as with mom and dad who were in the automobile accident, remember that hypothetical? Mm-hmm. Right. If if your intention is always the best interest of that other individual, well, then, you know, we're really not talking about dishonesty, are we? No. 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 So no. what we're talking about here is outright dishonesty. I mean, mm-hmm. if you choose to be dishonest, even mm-hmm. if that means I'm going to be dishonest as opposed to be rejected, well, then, that's your choice. That's your but it choice, does exactly. weaken right. your immune, and it yes. does set you up to say, well, I'm no good. I, I don't deserve. I'm unworthy. You know, uh, the fact is, if I was worthy, I wouldn't have to worry about pretending to be somebody else. And therefore, I continue to be inauthentic and live in this this self-alienated way. I mean, listen. We're sold that every day on such a mass scale. It's unbelievable. There is one giant subliminal message in all advertising. All the time. That subliminal message in all advertising is you're deficient. Mm -hmm. Because if if you're not deficient, you don't need the product. Mm. So the ad doesn't work. So the whole idea is, you know, you you don't look as good as you could. You know, better makeup, <laughs> is, right. better hair, uh, a fancier car. You, you mm. think of it, and and we create these lists in our head, and then you know we go out, and and our ambitions, our life, our our self talk, our our reasons are all built on. This information that I think of as, as just cluster thinking and soundbite reasoning. I mean, the fact of the matter is the briefcase you carry, the way you walk, uh, depending on the clothes that you're wearing, the clothes you wear, your ambitions, your goals, uh, the methods and mannerism by which you, speech, uh, you speak, uh, the, they all have their origin in your environment. And and so it's at times like this that I like to say, you know, here's my favorite question. What was your last truly original thought? Right. And you know, really, I always get the same answer. Tell me. Silence. Please. Silence. Silence, you mm-hmm. know, because the fact of the matter is when you really think about, well, what was my last truly original thought? Right. It's, you know, I, I and, to say and, and and it does matter,
1: right? Yes, it really does matter. But I, it just came to my mind now, and it's been puzzling in my head because I'm constantly, like I said, I, I question everything, even in my own life. You know, I'm always questioning, like, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? Why am I thinking this way? What is this doing? And you know, always. But one thing that has just been sort of puzzling to me. It's how I've been witnessing the thought manifesting. So, like, in, a, in in literally, before I catch it to change it, I see it coming to life. Like, whatever it is that I'm thinking about, right? So, like, in a second, I've been testing this for a while. And I kept saying to myself, if I can, there's, like, probably, I don't even know how long of time that is. But it has to be a flash, right? Between right. the time that I actually have created that thought in my mind or thought about it because of some external things that have affected how I'm thinking, right? So, like, let's say I'm reading something, and then all of a sudden I felt, you know, like my body, even my physiology, that means I've been thinking, right? So by the time I notice or question the thoughts, whatever it is I was thinking about, it's already happening. make any sense? Am I clear? I don't know if I'm clear about it.
0: Yeah, I, I I think so. I, I'm not sure if you're you're really saying that you're you're manifesting this or. Uh, yeah, well, I'm so. just
1: saying. I mean, I I'm witnessing. You know, the fact that you know. I mean, our thoughts obviously. You know, based on influenced by what we were talking about, the beliefs which influenced also by the external world that we live in, whether you listen to something and you read something or, or somebody said something to you, you're constantly, you know, affected by it. And, and depends on how strong a person you are and how you process information or how you process your thoughts. You know, things can be either uh, um, done because things are happening constantly, right? Things are constantly happening, right. whether you are aware of it or you're not aware of it. But But what what I've been experiencing is the fact that I'm really more and more becoming conscious, you know, of how I think and some of the thoughts. But sometimes I can't catch it to change it. If the thought is not just my liking, right? And it's been influenced by an outside force, whatever it is. Right, right, And I feel like if I could just have changed that, I I would not, you know, like let's say I was thinking about a glass that I was going to drop off the counter. Mm Mm-hmm hypothetically speaking, right? In theory. Right. And all of a sudden, and then like, you drop I drop it
0: over. Yeah, I've done that many times. But what is
1: that? I mean, how do you... you know, well,
0: you know, the psychology there can be a little bit like don't touch wet paint. And The first thing right. we all do is touch it to see if it's wet, huh? Right. Uh, and, and I think, you know... We have to understand that there are two really creative forces in the universe, and one is that force that we call fear, and fear is sold to us every day. Again, if I'm not fearful that I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be fearful that I am deficient, like all those ads that come at me, or fearful that I'm unworthy, or or fearful, and you name it. Uh, somebody cuts us off in 5 o'clock traffic, we have a right. fear goes off. It, right. it, you know, You're we right. call it anger, but right. the fact of the matter is, fear, is a you know, an acronym, is just for every anger response. There's, that spells fear. We have a nasty getting even response, and that spells anger. They're just circular in their nature. They just rotate. So anger is just an outgrowth of the fear. and And we'll often have these, these thoughts about, oh, I, I want to be careful about that, I could tip it over, and then we tip it over. And and the reason is we have inadvertently actually propelled that activity in the same way that that don't-touch-wet-paint sign propels activity. Now, the interesting thing to me, most interesting thing to me about what you said had to do with your ability to monitor your thoughts mm-hmm. and halt some thoughts. Because mm-hmm. that's, see, when... What I try to do now is if I, if I see something and I think, you know, if, if I set the drink there, I could spill it, and then it mm-hmm. could get on my computer. Right. What I do at that <laughs> moment is I say, cancel that for crying up. I know, cancel, cancel, cancel. Cancel, cancel, yeah. <laughs> I and, you know, way. and it does clear an honest-to-goodness new space. Right. And then I might also make some adjustment just to be careful. But the more conscious, and I think of it as being mindful, truly mindful you know Mm -hmm. the more mindful we are of our moment by moment the more aware we Mm -hmm. become of these potential hazards if you will Mm -hmm. and and so there it's good to recognize them It, it that's healthy Uh, And then, you know, mitigating them with a cancel-cancel and maybe making a slight arrangement as to where I set Mm -hmm. that Mm with relationship Mm -hmm. to my computer, that too is helpful. What I have done is I have become mindful, and the important thing there is then when the thought comes in that tells me I'm not good, I don't Mm -hmm. deserve, Mm -hmm. uh, I I should be afraid because I'm going to be a miserable failure,
1: Um, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: life sucks and then you die, uh, I don't get even, I'm going to get evener. And all those negative, self-destructive kinds of thoughts that people can have, when they come in, I can stop them and I can replace them. I can consciously begin to change that. One of the things that I do in the book, I believe, is give you many, many ways that you can change this stream of consciousness that goes on inside because that stream of consciousness is a mirror on your true beliefs. And I'll tell you, those beliefs, I mean, You're they are powerful. so powerful it's unbelievable. And I we know. can get ourselves routinized, mm-hmm. if you will, into patterns. In fact, you know, uh, as you were talking, I was reminded uh Part of what you were saying about, you know, your reality, expecting it the the way other people expected it Mm -hmm. uh, and so forth reminded me, you know, there's a tropical island that's halfway across the world, actually, um, where the islanders, uh, the island is, is called Tanya, where the islanders are still waiting for a pilot to return. And, and you see, back in the Second World War, at the end of the Second World War, a pilot, I think his name was Frum or something, John Frum, uh, flew into the island with a number of supplies. Right. And um, they built a bit of an airstrip, and for a while they, they brought supplies in, and well, you know, everyone on the island prospered. Uh, there were extras uh of of all kinds of things that these islanders had never be, never been aware of ranging from candy bars to you know to radios uh then of course the military pulled out johnny's gi's left uh i think there was like 40 of them at one point on the island and so the island now every year has a celebration And they're waiting for John to come back. I mean, they have their own in John they trust, you know, in John I trust. He will come back, and they have gone to the extent of maintaining a runway, this old dirt runway. They have a dummy that they set up in a chair in, in what used to be like a, um, a control tower. It wasn't a tower; it was just a cabin, and, and with a with a hat on, et cetera. They have gone through. They have done everything they can do to reenact exactly the way it was before those GIs left, and. And they know that one day he will return and he will bring this back because he said he would bring it back. Now, that's a routinized belief system that gives rise to a whole set of behaviors. And those behaviors get carried out not just by an individual, but carried out by a whole society. And all of a sudden you have... The world believing the four-minute mile cannot be beaten, or that brain cells die and don't regenerate, or that IQ is fixed, or personality is fixed, and, and you name it. Listen, one of my favorite areas is to look at the coincidence, and I put that word in quotation marks, between the arrival of Newtonian physics and the disappearance of levitation. You know, there was a time that levitation was really pretty common. Uh reported everywhere. There are a number of Catholic saints who were sainted for right. levitating. And, you know, if, if you read some of the older books on, uh, you know, witchcraft, you'll see that levitation was one of the ways they tested for, for witches, okay? So this was a pretty common thing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Newton's law of gravity told us we were heavier than air. Right, and as that information went out, levitation stopped. Right, and, you know, we still have the occasional instance. And in fact, I googled levitation not long ago, and there were some Zen monks that that bounce like a ball. They curl themselves all up, you know, take a hold of their knees, um, and then just bounce. They would go eight, ten feet in the air, and ten, fifteen feet. Of, in in one direction hit the ground bounce again eight ten feet in the air go another 15 feet hit the ground incredible I mean listeners can all Google that uh, but uh, we don't see the kind of levitation that was uh, common prior to Newton's law of gravity is it possible that as we become aware of these new laws that we just created a new uh, synthetic ceiling and that ceiling is our limitation. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. they train fleas for, the you know, flea circuses by putting these invisible domes over them. So, you, you know, like a fishbowl, you have this glass dome over the top. The flea flies into that dome a few times pretty quick. It doesn't fly higher than the dome. Right. Now you can take the dome off and it never tests it. It's like the elephant tethered when it's young with a huge chain. But when it's older tethered with almost a shoestring it reaches the end and and it knows that's as far as it can go because as a young one it raced against that chain and slammed itself down time and time again so it it refuses to challenge it any longer and so much of where the human condition is is locked into this way of believing this way of acting this way of thinking and that. It's a travesty because there is so much potential in every human being that, you know, if there's anything that I can do in my life to awaken that potential, uh, let that be what I do 24-7.
1: Oh, my God, this is so much, I have to tell you, I'm, I didn't even want to take a break because I'm I'm trying to get as much as we can, you know, with you. Um, Alden, please promise me you come back again. And, and you know, uh, I, I still have a lot of questions, and I hope you, you're okay with the time. Um,
0: you know, I mean, let that me interrupt you. Of course, I will come back anytime. I love oh, you. I, 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 I enjoy I'm, I'm having conversations. Grateful. I love what you do. So now oh, I'll shut up and let you, you go. Thank
1: on. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I also want to thank everybody in the chat room. I see a lot of people logging in and out the chat room, and some people from Greece, and John signed in, and I think he Probably out now, uh, from Greece. Hello, John. And, uh, um, it's always great. To, I'm, I'm always grateful to be honest with you to be doing this show. But back to the believe, um, uh, Eldon. Now, belief affects a lot of areas in our life okay from it- it, it affects our relationships what i i I think or I believe you know everything in our life is about relationships, right whether it's it's someone yes. you know close to you, someone far from you, anybody that you come in contact with
0: right yeah, so yes.
1: if you have sets of beliefs about how relationships should be, you know you are limiting yourself is your health the same thing you know you you talk about it in your book can you expand a little bit about some of these areas that you really feel you know our beliefs really really could be harming us more than you know
0: well we we all hold lots of if you will dissonant thoughts um uh, So we can start with relationships. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you want to have a good relationship, you have to be a good relationship. Um, You you know, when I talk to people about relationships, you typically hear things like, uh, well, they don't do this for me and they should do that and I expect this. And, And you get all these kinds of. A codependent arrangements, it's almost like you have tacit agreements, you know, um, well, I did this for you, so why wouldn't you do this for me? Uh, this person just drives me crazy because of the way they have their toothpaste on them. Our belief system about what a relationship is and how that relationship should operate is whether or not, I mean, it determines whether or not the relationship will work. Today, more than half of the Marriages, First marriages end in divorce, and mm-hmm. over 70% of the third marriages end in divorce, and the number is in the middle for second marriages. And, and, th- and that all comes down to what you expect out of a relationship. You know, I talked with Ariel Ford not long ago about her book, Wabi-Sabi Love. And Wabi-Sabi is a, it's a Japanese ascetic. It, it essentially says this, you know, it is the imperfections in the world that make the world wonderful. Um, So according to Wabi Sabi, if you had a vase and the vase had a crack in it, well, you'd turn that crack out so that everyone coming in would see it first. You might even light it up so you see that. It's kind of the Persian idea that you can't make a perfect rug because that would offend God. So we we sew in an imperfection by design. All right, look, if I begin to look at my relationships from a standpoint of two things. What can I bring to the relationship? What can I give to this relationship? If I convolute that model, I'm no longer thinking about what I take, but what I can give. What what happens automatically is I receive more. That just seems to be a law of the universe. Call it what you sow is what you reap. I'm not sure how you, you deal it, but that seems to be what what happens, what returns when I begin to look at the unique characteristics of the person I'm with, and mm-hmm. I look at them in favor, they are after all what makes this person who the person is if mm-hmm. i If I can even find the good in him if i can I can look at that toothpaste on the counter and and think, well, you know she brushes her teeth so I can kiss her, and you know." Uh, I right. I mean <laughs> if, right. Look in the positive if I choose Absolutely. to do because that, if I reframe the, the situation, well. everything right. changes. Right. And that's all a matter of belief. Right. We our beliefs you know they they literally infiltrate the entire area of our lives. And, mm-hmm. and, and and I and I try to break this down and make it simple, but but the bottom line comes down to this. For most people, we have beliefs that are dysfunctional. And we can measure them as obviously as by looking at everything in our life we're unhappy with. Okay. Now, if we're unhappy with something, then what is the underlying belief that stops us? I, listen, there are people in the world that say, I want to be successful. I want to make a lot of money. And I know you talk to these people, really. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. You know, right. hey. Right. And, and I've had these seminars where I, I say to people, how many of you would like to make a million dollars this year? You're going to earn a million dollars. Every right. hand goes up, right. you know. Right. Uh, but then, you know, when I when we get a little further in, you've got to believe it. You've got to, you know, tell right. yourself, this year Stay I'm dog. going to earn a can see it. That's right. And then we're going to step sideways and you know what happens? We're going to change the context a little bit and we're going to talk about the national debt. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, Wall Street. We're going to talk about, and then we're going to say, what do you think? Should we tax these rich cats, you know? And they're going to say, yeah, tax them. Right. Now that's right. dissonant, isn't it? Right. If you right. pull up behind somebody and they've got that Aston Martin that you always wanted, saying mm-hmm. to yourself that greedy rich SOB, all that does is push it away from you. Looking at it and saying, wow, great for you, that's for me too. Right, that brings it to me well, Where are these dissonant thoughts they 're in my beliefs right. i I have not stopped to examine them i don 't see how they compete with one another i don 't see how they tie me up. yeah, I know you 've seen real lots and lots of people that get right. right there, close to being successful, and suddenly something happens, right. so they They try it all over again, and then suddenly something happens. You know, it falls apart. That's typically a classical example of self-destructive behavior, self-sabotage, that occurs because of psychological defense mechanisms based on a false belief. You're going to have these beliefs, and they're going to empower mechanisms, and those mechanisms are going to exist so that you can fit in not be rejected find an adaptive way to be accepted and in that process deny yourself of who you are and all your
1: opportunities And, and you live your life so you list somebody. I mean, that's one of the things, like, I mean, I, I have so many things I wanted to talk to you about. You know, we always try to measure our success by someone else's success. We really don't focus on uh, what does success mean to us and, and, and uh, you know, what the process is. You know, how can I get there? And what is stopping me? You know, like, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we work on a similar things. I work with my clients on obstacles, and these are limited, you know, uh, um, things that are getting in their way from achieving from being the person they want. And these are based on their beliefs. And if I ask them a question and I go into details and ask them, so what? So what if you don't get that position? What would that mean to you? What if yes. you do get that position? How does that help you? But a lot of time we don't see it that way. We uh-huh. really see it from, from you know, it's like, okay, well, Mr. John got, you know, um, a car that is whatever. I really need to to be measured as a successful person. I need to be driving a car just like him. So, people can see me as being successful.
0: That is a very valuable point. You're absolutely right. You know, we, we need to recognize our uniqueness and we need to judge our success uh, uh, on the basis of what it is that gives rise to our own happiness absolutely. and how close we have come to fulfilling our own potential. It isn't about what somebody else does, it's about what we do. You know, all that we can possibly do with our lives is but the only way we can return the gift the giver gave us when we were created. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I've got to, you know, there's one more really critical thing we need to let the audience know. The latest research shows us that 90% of the decisions you're going to make are made by the unconscious. Mm-hmm. That's how important this habit of belief is. Right. That mm-hmm. 90% is going to be made not just by the unconscious, but listen, a technician watching your brain make a decision can know 10 seconds before you do what you're going to decide. Right. Now, if that doesn't alarm you about the stuff you have in your mind right now, it should. It should. It really All should. the more reason to yeah. monitor it, monitor it and to work on it, as Rhea was suggesting earlier.
1: Yes. I I love what you said. The power of belief, the absolutely awesome, incredible power of belief, is the genie in your life.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: I say amen, too. When I read that, I was like, I have to read this out loud. It is so true. So true. So true. Well, Alden, I kept you, you know... Right at the hour, we didn't take give you any break. I apologize, but let me tell you, oh, I, loved I even cover half it. of the stuff I wanted to cover with you. I, you know, I mean, we want talk about hypnosis and I, one of the things. Let me let me ask you one more question, if that's okay with you.
0: Okay, go ahead. That
1: came to my mind, and I, I kind of like want to answer your own question because I read that in your book. You said, "How do you view yourself as a noun or a verb?" And I'm gonna ask, like if you were to ask me that question, I will tell you I view myself as a verb. So can you, like, uh, um, talk just uh, briefly on
0: that? Sure, sure. Uh, Real quick, like, years ago, uh, as a student of metaphysics and philosophy, uh, I encountered uh, some of the work of uh, the, the great philosopher and geometrist Pythagoras, Pythagoras had a mystical school In addition to being the musician, mathematician, etc He was a mystic And this school was called or known as the Pythagorean Brotherhood and Of course there were certain criteria that had to be satisfied Before you could enter the Brotherhood One of the final, the, in fact the final test Was you appeared before the entire Brotherhood Pythagoras included And you announced one thing you could profess to know as absolutely true, absolutely certain, the so-called epistemological certainty. You right. knew this without a doubt. Okay. Right. Now, right. on cue, the Brotherhood would challenge you over that. They would uh, ridicule, uh, attack you logically, uh, laugh at you, cajole, etc., And if you were dissuaded by them, you didn't gain acceptance. And many didn't gain acceptance for that reason. And I thought... What is it that I would say if I if if I had that opportunity? I mean, you can't. I mean, what are you going to say? Um, I believe there's a God, and they're going to come after me. Okay, is a man or a woman? You know, have you seen him? Is he sitting on a throne? Is he all powerful? Can he make a rock so large you can't lift it? If he's so good, all good, how come he made Adam with a bad will? I mean, if Adam <laughs> didn't have a deficient will, Adam would never have sinned. You right. See, they're going to come after me, and I know that. See, <laughs> right. So, all all right so what am I going to say I'm going to say this I am certain that I am an experience experiencing mm-hmm. we are all an experience right this minute experiencing mm-hmm. and you know when I had when, when I had that epiphany it occurred to me immediately how that changes everything right I'm not thinking of myself as going back to where we opened, dr. Eldon Taylor Mm Living in Spokane, Washington, has a little horse bride? I love how you always talk about your wife as your beautiful bride. (laughs) I I, I don't think of myself that way now. I think of myself as a verb, not a noun, not Mm -hmm. a name, place, and thing, Mm -hmm. but a verb. Mm -hmm. I am experiencing, and, and by recognizing the experience, I can be fully in the moment and fully mindful, and I can share my experience with you, with, all, with, with with everyone in that's involved in your show right this minute, all the listeners, and maybe those that will listen to a recording years down the road. As Walt Whitman said, though our hearts are stout and brave, still they're beating distant funeral marches to the grave. You know, so maybe I'm long gone, and they're still listening. Nevertheless, the experience, that's what's real.
1: That's what, is That's real. what lasts. Yeah, true. That's
0: what endures.
1: You wanna live forever? Leave them with something to remember you by, right? Yes. yes. That's why I always say, I mean, you know, always your well uh, Right. You know, Alden, I just wanted to tell our listener, uh the the uh the book, I believe. I highly, really, highly recommend that you get it because the book not only it's it's uh, it's a book that you're gonna read. You're gonna you're gonna read a lot of stories. It's it's very um, easy read. Uh, Dr. Taylor Alden, my friend. Shares with you a lot of reflection. So, in the end of every chapter, he'll he'll reflect on some of the topics that he talks about, some of the chapters, and and uh, how our beliefs and and through the stories and everything. And it makes you really think. It's a really definitely a thought provoking. It makes you look at life in a different way. It makes you think in a new way. And I love that about your work, Alj, uh, because you truly do. And of course, you know, we didn't get to talk about your your um, hypnosis CDs and. Some of the work that you do but it, can you share with our listener you have uh some promo going on so next week is that still available and sure. if you want to share it, it on the air
0: it, it is indeed you can go to it right now and thank you ria for being a part of it but uh Appreciate you can go to my website eldentaylor.com and uh there you'll see a banner for the release of the paperback uh of uh I believe, and the book, uh, if you click on that banner, you can get the book at Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, uh, Amazon. But by getting the book, you also are entitled then to uh, access to over $10,000 in special gifts and uh, awards. And Most of them are, are just gifts. There's, there, there are a few prizes that are done by drawing, but most everything is gifts. And, and the illuminaries, like Rhea, uh, hundreds of them have Offered some special uh, gift of their own, mm-hmm. just just as you know, their way of saying, "Hey, we want you to read this book. This is an important uh, important book. This can help you in your life." And, and I I'm do very
1: believe grateful,
0: so. very grateful to you, Ria, and everyone else who's participated.
1: Oh, you are so beautiful, and it's always my pleasure. I mean, obviously, what we I'm saying here is, I am part of the campaign uh, um, the, with the book launch for Alden and I'm also offering uh, uh, some gifts on, on the uh, through the book launch and Alden I promise me you'll be back because I have so much stuff I want to talk with you about. <laughs> Lucky me I
0: can't wait Ria you're love great you.
1: I really truly I think you are a genius I know you, you're such a modest and humble person but you, you 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 have so much that you can share with us you know and, and teach us and, and uh, please continue continue your amazing work and share it with us and I whatever I can also be in any service that I can, you know, spread the word, please reach out to me as always.
0: I will. I love thank the experience so and you are great. Thank you. Oh, Liz. I thank you with all my Bye-bye. heart. Thank
1: you so much. And thanks to everybody who's listening and make sure you remember the show will be archived the minute we go off the air. It will also be available on iTunes for a free download in the podcast. Download it, listen to it. I think Alden said and shared with you a lot of great information. And please question everything and, and question your beliefs and why do they exist in your life and, and where are they coming from? Are they coming from a place of love or place of fear? And when you're afraid of something, ask yourself why. What makes you afraid of whatever it is that you're going to be doing? So until next time, my friends, all to you all, much love. Thank you. Be amazing.
0: Your Life Now Radio Show with Coach Rhea will return in just a few moments.
1: I love what Maya Angelou had to say about the power of the spoken words. She said, I quote, Words mean more than what is set down on paper. It takes the human voice to infuse them with deeper meaning, end quote. And that is the reason I made the decision to put my words into an audiobook so please check out my spoken words in my new audiobook your life your way the 10 must-have goals to improve your life it's now available you can either go to my website at www.coachingbyria.com and purchase it there You can also download the book from iTunes by going to the link I provided in the show page or simply go to the iTunes stores and put my name in the search, Coach Ria Wilkie, and you will be able to download the audiobook from there. And I do thank you all for doing so. And if you um, like to write a review, please do so. And I'm always grateful to be in service. Thank you. (laughs)